Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Web3 Business Podcast, helping you navigate the future of business. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Web3 Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Brian Fanzo, and we're going to explore how to use AI artificial intelligence to create and promote all aspects of an NFT project. If you feel like, oh, I don't know if I have the money to go hire a writer or an artist or any of these kinds of things, you're going to be surprised at what these tools can do and how economical they are and how they can be great enablers for a creative side of you that maybe you didn't even realize existed. I think you're going to find today's interview absolutely fascinating. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to the show, follow us so you don't miss any of our future content. We've got some great stuff coming your way. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Brian Fanzo. Helping you to simplify your Web3 journey, here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Brian Fanzo. If you don't know who Brian is, you need to know Brian. He is a digital futurist and host of the NFT 365 podcast, and he's an AI artist. His latest NFT collection is called Shades of ADHD. Brian, welcome back to the show. It's been about a year since you've been on the show, but we see each other all over the place all the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's funny. You're in like physical, you know, like what, what the real world is, but it's been a, a roller coaster. But I think that's actually usually our trend, you know, with all of your podcasts that I've been a guest on. Each time I come on, I feel like we're talking about a, a definitely different new trend and excited for the conversation today. Well, I'm excited today. Brian and I are going to explore how to use AI tools to create and promote NFT projects. Brian, it's been, like I said, a little bit more than a year since you've been on the podcast. You were episode number four. Now you're episode 58, I believe. So let's do some recaps because a year in the world of Web 3 is like three years in the world of Web 2. So kind of bring us up to speed in the last year. What's some of the stuff that's been going on in the Fanzo universe? We were here last year. You know, I launched the daily podcast and uh, without question was not confident that we would make it every day for 365 days. And it was, you know, I had ups and downs like like the market does. And but we did. We completed season one on November 11th, not only doing the podcast every day, but buying an NFT every day. You know, when we were recording this a year ago, I was having a real big problem finding like shrinking the number of projects down to one to pick, right? There were so many uh, NFTs, ETH NFTs, all the different blockchains. And of course, now if I was doing that same project, I would struggle to find one good project to mint each day. So it's definitely been uh, interesting in that side. Not only was that, you know, collection a lot of fun to explore, but, you know, kind of figuring out the different, you know, tools and nuances. And the other part is a year ago, if you would have told me that 
the word artist would be in my uh, description, I would have literally bet my entire NFT bag that that would be a no. But since then, the last seven months or so, I kind of discovered AI art and started dropping my own AI art collections, writing my own smart contracts and putting them out there. And uh, wow, what a year it's been. So yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the, the quick recap of uh, you know an exciting year, but also like a year I think we you know, two steps forward, three back. I don't know what, how many we're, we're currently going forward. Yeah. So for those that are uh, not watching on the video side of this, he's got a bunch of the art on a wall behind him. And a lot of his art is very much neon colors on dark backgrounds, really beautiful stuff. What about the AI 365 thing? You want to mention that as well? Yeah. So that's the newest initiative. You know, I, I did the podcast every day and I agreed I would never do a daily podcast again. Uh, and although it was you know successful and I, and I had a great time, definitely took a lot of sacrifice in lots of different areas. But, you know, as I was looking at AI and trying to be like, you know, the whole goal of the buying an NFT every day was to let people kind of come along on the journey, create a time capsule. And so on 12-12, you know, we launched the podcast on 11-11. I'm a numbers guy. So on 12-12, I launched AI 365. So every day I'm minting into a collection, one piece. They're all one of ones, AI art. And I'm, I'm kind of playing with the different, you know, different tools, different styles of content. And so like, you know, by the time this, you know, the podcast is is released, it'll be, it'll be in the 40s or the 50s. And much like last year, I mean, who knows if I make it the 365 days, but I feel like my new brand is I can't say that because of my ADHD or because of whatever, I'm not consistent. I think I, I proved it this last year and now we'll see how it works with this AI art. So Brian has been playing around intently. One of the unique gifts with someone who's neurodiverse like Brian is he can go really, really deep. And you've gone really, really deep with a lot of these AI tools. And I'm really excited about how you're going to be able to share some of your wisdom, right? Not only the visual tools, but also the text-based tools. So for those that are listening, whether they be creators, entrepreneurs, or even marketers, let's start with NFTs in general. Why? You might have a different take than you did a year ago, but why should they consider NFTs? Because there's still people listening right now and there will be people listening in the future that are still very skeptical. They could say to themselves, well, I could do all this with Web2. What do I need NFTs for? What's your, what do you want to say to them? Maybe the benefits, the upsides. Yeah, I still think it comes down. Actually, I think, I think you actually could be more bullish today than we were a year ago because it still comes down to digital ownership. Right. If we spend 50% of our day digitally connected to our phone on our devices and 50% not, we know in that 50% not that when we own something, right, just because I take a picture of your house doesn't mean I can post it online and sell it, right? That's not going to work. And we know that in the physical world. But in the digital world, where we still spend 50% of our time, the idea of digital ownership, that not only we can prove that we own something, but that we can transfer it, that we could sell it, is still something that has not been solved by anything in Web2. And so for me, that's where this conversation goes. And the reason I said it might be a better time is that I think we've pushed through that idea where it was, it, you know, for some, it could be a short financial gain was like the only reason you're here. Now I think it's about what does digital ownership mean from memberships to online, you know, all of the different you know, use cases, but the argument still has to be made around how do I prove that I own something digitally? And there is no better answer to that than NFTs. Yeah. And another take on this is we're seeing a lot more really big businesses, really humongous brands that are coming to the table with Web3 projects that are essentially built on the back of blockchain, NFT technology, Starbucks, and bunches of others, um, Nike, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. They're there. And I don't think they would make such a massive investment because this is no small investment these guys are making, right? If they didn't understand that there's some potential humongous upside for them to be early. And I do think that 
it's not a question of will NFTs become valuable as an entrepreneurial or creative tool. I think it's just a question of when will they be more user-friendly, right? For your everyday consumer. So everyone will be able to purchase them, trade them, so on and so forth. And I got a feeling it's coming faster than we think. What are your thoughts on that? Could not agree more, right? We had Walmart jumping into the metaverse massively. One of the most recent news is AWS, Amazon Web Services, the largest cloud computing that runs pretty much all of the internet that we know of, just teamed up with the Avalanche blockchain. To, and I'm talking teamed up full long-term partnership. And for me, like, I mean, the signs are there, right? Nike is playing. And one could argue like the Nikes and, and maybe even Starbucks, right? Starbucks has their the largest rewards system in the United States, but they're not only just playing, but Starbucks integrated it into their reward system, right? Like I, I just got my, my second Starbucks NFT and I bought, you have to buy the, one of the ways you can win or be a airdropped an NFT for Starbucks is you have to buy one cup of coffee at one day for five weeks. So each week I buy one. So I just did mine yesterday and I was able to claim my NFT for buying one cup of coffee. And it's now, you know, I went to the store you know, scan my rewards, came back to my computer, hit refresh. Not only did it show that I had my fifth purchase, the, the NFT was in my wallet. And wild enough, you know, while we're recording this, the floor price, I believe is like $385, right? For those that are financial. So for just my reward of five of those purchases, I could sell it for $380. Right now there's a marketplace and demand. I mean, that is just, I mean, it's another value add that Starbucks is doing. And it's not like they're doing like a side project. And when I've gone to three different Starbucks, all three times I asked the employees at the front door about it, they knew everything about Starbucks Odyssey. You know, I've seen other places where people are like experimenting, right? It's a side of a side or they use it under another name or another brand. This is like McDonald's and Monopoly back in the day, but it's yes. such a higher level, isn't it? Right. Because you can trade and you can earn and it's going to help Starbucks business because people that don't go in every day are going to start going in every day to earn these things, aren't they? Yeah. And if you think about it, when Monopoly, McDonald's tried to block people from selling your Monopoly on eBay because people were, you know, we found out later on, people were manufacturing them. Well, guess what? Why was that a problem? because they couldn't prove ownership of the Monopoly pieces in McDonald's. Does Starbucks have that problem? No, wait a second. It's on a blockchain. It is immutable. You can actually see, you can look at my wallet and say, on this day, this transaction happened and I own that Starbucks NFT, which eliminates the eBay problem that existed for the, the McDonald's Monopoly. But the second fold is I can sell it for USD and do that all. I don't have to know the person. I don't have to trust the person. It is all done peer-to-peer, -peer, which was also kind of a gap in those systems before. So yes, some of these, like the nuanced components of them, we've implemented in previous systems, but not doing it transparently without a middle person and being able to do it with an authenticated version of ownership. All right. That was a super fun little rabbit trail that we went down to just kind of help people understand what's possible with NFTs. Now I want to bring it back to AI. What can you do, Brian Fanzo? What can anyone do with AI when it comes to NFTs, help us kind of understand how AI can help us in areas maybe where we're weak, you know, where we don't have certain skills and strengths. So, yeah, you know, I, you know, funny enough, I started kind of experimenting and playing in AI back in 2012. I worked at a data center company. We were working with some companies to, to do some really machine learning of some of the nuanced tasks that happen in a data center. I then was the alpha tester of IBM Watson and their machine learning components there, right? So I've been playing in that space, helping kind of think through this idea of the harmony of working with 
AI. AI is a tool much like a paintbrush or much like a, a camera, also much like a, a phone, much like a computer, right? It's about how can we work with it? And so if you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, creator, we have to think about, it's not just about productivity, but it's about how, how can we, you know, kind of integrate these or work with these so that we can, you know, ultimately tell better stories. Maybe, you know, write either better copy, more productive copy, or copy that is more directed towards our target audience. And then also, we as business owners, who knows more about our business than ourselves? We. Like, we're the ones that know the most. And the problem with taking others' advice or just taking the advice of Google is that you're getting kind of like the general, right? And we have all done that, right? You Google, what is the best way to do something? You're like, well, they don't know my business. Well, when you're working with AI tools, it can be the chat GPTs of the world, which is going to give you an output. You ask a question, it gives you a customized output. Or if you're working with the AI art, you put in a, you know, just words prompt of the story you want to tell or the emotion you want to convey. It's going to give you an output based on what you were actually putting in there. And then the more you work with it, right? The more you work with your computer, the better you become at using your computer. The more you work with the AI, the more it understands your pieces, understands your nuances. And you even mentioned my own AI art. Like imagine for everyone's brands, right? For your brand, if you have a brand aesthetic, you have brand messaging, you have a style, we've all built personas in our marketing. Imagine that persona now being put in there and working with you rather than having to open like a Canva or something else and say, here's the generalized templates. And that idea of working with us and AI, and it can, it can be marketing, sales, you know, storytelling, creating content. And eventually we're going to see that working in some of the backroom conversations, right? Like I, I tested out on something really interesting today was I, I'm, I'm that millennial that hates talking on the phone. I would prefer to text, prefer to book my Uber, prefer to my doorbell, everything I want digitally. And I actually tested out the software service that's in beta at the moment that actually called and booked me a doctor's appointment using real person's words. I put in there what, when my availability was, and it actually called them, used their voice, you know, the voice that was there and booked me an appointment because I couldn't actually book it through their digital way. And that was using AI, which is a little mind blowing because I was like, I was even a little bit scared, but like, that's, I mean, that's one of the exciting ways that we're, we're kind of moving towards. Not everybody knows this about me, but I used to own a creative agency before I started Social Media Examiner. And now I run a media company called Social Media Examiner and we work with designers. We've got some in-house and some that we've been working with for decades. And these designers learn the style aesthetics of our brand because they've been working with us for a while. So what you said about AI tools is exactly how it works in real life. When you work with a writer, which I used to be a copywriter, or you work with a illustrator or a designer, they're going to kind of begin to learn over time what your design aesthetics, what your color palettes are, how you prefer things to look. And when you ask them to do a project, you won't have to provide that level of context for them. But the problem is that they're human and you have to wait to get on their agenda and they've got other projects that they're doing. When you're using these AI tools, they essentially model the very same things I'm talking about, right? Except they can spit it out in 10 seconds. Is that about right? That's about right. So what does that make possible then for you as a small business owner and entrepreneur? What's the ripple effect of that for someone like you, Fanzo? Well, you know, I think one of the things it comes into like, you know, we, we know about outsourcing, right? We know about working with assistants, but a lot of that is like the onboarding, anyone that's hired an assistant, right? Like the onboarding for that. And, you know, thank Chris Ducker and thanks to some others that we, you know, our mutual friends that are really good at helping you do that. But a lot of that is like, how can someone learn my brand aesthetic or how can they learn how I work or how can they work whenever I'm sleeping or whenever I'm not like at my full capacity? And that's where AI comes in. But it also comes in, in 
you know, for me, one of the things, you know, as a speaker, right, my full-time, you know, job as a, a keynote speaker, everything I say, everywhere I walk, every mannerism I share is me conveying the story, right? All of that is factored in. But interestingly enough, you know, we, we all work hard on the slides, but the slides for the most part are usually either a, a graphic that we you know, took, got from Canva or from one of the, the image repositories. And so in many cases, it's not as tailored to making that social, that impact of the story. And so when I, I spoke, I gave a keynote at Disney a couple of months back, I used AI art as the backdrop for all of my slides as another vehicle for telling the story. And interestingly enough, I actually started with, with this slide, I want to make this Im emotional impact. And I kind of worked backwards with the art. And I got art that actually is one of the pieces that, that's hanging over my shoulder that, you know, it actually conveys exactly the fantasy mystery of the world that I was explaining to people. And so for me, as someone that a year ago would have given you all of my NFTs and crypto to bet you that I would never call myself an artist, I now am not only creating AI art on uh, for my you know slides and my presentation. I'm doing one tomorrow uh, for our good friend Anne Hanley. I'm presenting with one with her on a thing. I just finished creating some AI art with that, but I'm now able to actually use the AI art in my social graphics. I'm able to use it on my uh, my you know my pitch deck. And then, interestingly enough, for our sponsorship deck for the podcast, we've taken it there, right? Where now I'm able to put in say, here's my podcast. Here's our target audience that we want to reach. Here's how many episodes we have. Here's the type of uh, sponsor we're talking to. And I actually put that in the chat GPT. And after working through it, right, asking some questions, because just to clarify, chat GPT compared to a lot of what I would say traditional AI experiences is, it's a chat platform. So you actually have a conversation. And as you're asking a questions, it's getting smarter, right? So like for me, I was like, no, that would not work for my target audience. My audience is executive levels that would sponsor for these reasons. And it's like, it rewrites the things that I need. But I will tell you, my sponsorship deck now has the, the copy that's written in there is based on what I believe the podcast is, what I think it's working towards. And then the other thing that's beautiful in that is like, as we update and we continue to work with uh, the ChatGPT engine, it's also going to continue to give us adjustments to that description of the copy. And so it's really allowed me to tailor some of my messaging and do things not only in, a, I would say, a faster way, but I believe a much more customized way of delivering my message, delivering my story. And I mean, to me, it's been it's been one of those things where I always looked at it as kind of like, oh, if I have time, I'll run it through the AI engine. Now I'm looking at it and saying, okay, how can I work with my AI to accomplish this task? It'd be marketing, it'd be sales copy, it could be even art to include in my presentations. For those that are really wanting to go deep into AI on my other show, Social Media Marketing Podcast, I recently had a guy named Paul Rotzer, who's the head of the AI Marketing Institute, on to, to really go deep into it. Just a little side note, we'll make sure to cross-link that in the show notes. ChatGPT, many people that are in our circles have said that ChatGPT may be the biggest innovation since the iPhone or even since the internet. And I would have to agree with them because it is so much like what we thought computers were going to be in the early days. Remember the green flashing cursors on computers back in the day? Oh, yeah. You would play a game like Zork or whatever, and you could type a sentence in there, and then it would interact with you. Well, that's exactly what ChatGPT is, and it's absolutely fascinating as a writer myself. And I've got a lot of friends, because I used to be a writer. I used to wrote a book on writing. They were very scared about what this tool can do because it is that good. When we think about what this can do for an NFT project, 
and we put our marketing caps on and we think about the things you need in an NFT project, things like Discord updates, things like tweets, things like email newsletters, right? Storytelling. I've heard stories, and I don't know if you have, about people that have actually used it to create scripts for plays, for movies, for books. I was recently listening to an interview. Joe Polizzi was talking with Robert Rose about how he used it for a plot, potentially for his new fiction book that he's writing. I think you told me that you're using it for the podcast that you're doing. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. So what are some of the other ways that in the Web3 world we could use this text-based tool to help us? So we don't have to like get in line and pay a lot of money to a professional writer. You know, I think it, I think it goes both ways, right? I think it's it's not only like a little bit from the, the money saving perspective, but it's the fact that it can build upon and learn with us, right? Because you know, one could argue one of the biggest missing components of most NFT projects, uh, most projects in Web three, Metaverse included, is education and content, right? And and it's understandable because we we know that from our worlds that like not only is content something that is never ending and it's something you have to kind of like have a knack for, but you also have to be able to like kind of like understand like there's a difference audience on LinkedIn versus Twitter versus Facebook. But like for you to understand how to tailor that, you have to be a professional in the space. But in this case, I'm actually able to put in and say, here's the transcript of the podcast that I just created. Can you create a summary description from that podcast? And, and a couple of times I'll, I'll be like, Thanks for the summary description. Can you change the, the tone of voice or can you omit this part of the description? But then I can also say, based on this description, can you write me two posts for LinkedIn, one for Facebook and three tweets? Oh. So for me now, having instead of an NFT project founder, knowing the nuances of those platforms, it actually, and I will tell you, as someone that like, I love LinkedIn, I posted almost, you know, multiple times a week for, I mean, since 2014, I'm a big LinkedIn fan, but I also know very well that like, the way I present things and position words is very different on LinkedIn. I was blown away when ChatGPT gave me the LinkedIn because I was like, it's going to give me the same output as Facebook. Like I, I, you know, I've seen these things and I was like, oh my goodness, the tone, the, even like the way it chose the words was much different. And if you think about that, it also can learn with us, right? So we can even, if you, you can save your entities, right? So if you have an email newsletter, that goes out this week and let's say you have a low conversion rate on the, the call to action. You can go into that same chat you know, layer and say, we need to write a new email for this week, but we need to learn that last week's call to action gave us a 10% closure rate. We would like to increase that with this newsletter that is going to cover these things. And it's now going to take what it gave you before, learn from that and kind of continue to work with you just as you would working with a professional that said, oh my goodness, our click-through rate on that email was very low. Let's try to adjust. The beauty of this is that it's not a lot of humans just kind of like guessing. It's going to take the data set that it knows, like, okay, what are the other things that we know email? And the other piece I'll throw in is you can also take things and add it, right? So if there's an email that you love, I just did this today, there's an email newsletter that I absolutely love. And so I put that email newsletter in and I said, I would like you to learn from this and store this. And I said, based on what you just stored from this email, I would like you to write copy for me on this based on this email that I really enjoy. Oh, you mean like, like model this email to write a email on a different topic? Correct. And how did it do? Amazing. <laughs> it put it on. I was like, it even did it like the bullets and like the, the you know, length of paragraph. It, it really did kind of take the, you know, shout out to Morning Brew, right? What Morning Brew kind of puts out. And I was like, wow, I, I, I wasn't sure kind of what to expect. Now I will say I had to, I'd have a conversation with it, right? Which is part of the secret here, right? Because it's not about, you know, like Google, you hit it and you get the results for what people pay for or what people optimize for. 
you have to actually teach it. So a couple of times I will tell ChatGPT, I believe that has bias in it based on a marketer's view. Can you remove the marketer's bias and rewrite that description? Wow. And, it, and it'll say, you are probably right. That did seem like a marketing slant. Here's the version without the marketer's point. Of, and I, and like, so like having a real conversation, like that's, I think that's the hardest part and also the most beautiful part of it. And I think that's where it can fit into, you know, your, like you said, your discord announcements, your tweets, even things that like today we know that we can do. If you're using chat GPT, it's not about like what it can do for you even just today. But if you think about it, it learns over an entire year, six months of all of your announcements and you're letting it know which ones worked, which ones didn't. It's going to really start to hone in that output in a way probably us as humans probably couldn't kind of calculate or formulate, you know, if we were doing it ourselves. A couple other tips from my experience. You can ask it to add emojis. You can tell it, I would like you to add an emoji. You can say, I would like you to write a subject line based on, or five subject lines based on what either you just pasted in or what it just wrote. In addition, you can say, I would like you to write it in the voice of Brian Fanzo or in the voice of Michael Stelzner. Uh, That only works if it knows our work, right? Because I've got a lot of work out there. You might have a lot of work and it can do it and it can rewrite that. Another tip is you can say, write it in the first person. Or you can say write it in the third person. Now, the benefit of writing in the third person is it takes and it makes it a little bit generic, right? So it could be from anyone, which is more appropriate for an announcement. But write it in first person, it's maybe it sounds a little dry. Say so write it in the first person in the voice of Michael Stelzner, you know? And it will literally do that. And there's just so many cool little things. You can say add, you can say add animated GIFs to it. And it won't do the animated GIF, but it will tell you the query that you can use to go over to Giphy to find the animated GIF which is really, really cool. I had to do output HTML for a landing page. Really? So yeah, I had gone through this entire thing where I was, I was, I was working on the copy. wasn't even thinking, I was building the landing page myself, right? I wasn't thinking of, and then I was like, wait a second, I know it outputs code very easily. And I said, so based on what I just inputted, please create a landing page that gives a strong call to action and gives me a place to import a video that is on YouTube. And it just outputted HTML code, copy, pasted directly into my WordPress. And I went like my jaw literally dropped. I was like, and it, I mean, spot on, right. Even the, you know, the HTML formatting and, and, you know, blanket copied. Uh, And then, you know, another piece of it too, is you, you can give it certain like data points or certain aspects. And like, I mean, one of my favorite use cases that I used it probably was either the first or second time ever was, you know, I'm a dad of three girls. And I said, I have this in the refrigerator. Please give me recipes that I could cook based on these ingredients. Wow. I can't Google that. I, I've never been able to do like that. And so like that element of like, well, Brian, I just had a crazy thought. What if you just know the benefits of your project, but you don't have a way of stating them. You could, it's like the same thing you just said. These are the features of my project. Help me to write some persuasive landing page copy based on this. That's just like the ingredients in the refrigerator, right? Exactly. Exactly. Or even say my target audience are big fans of Pokemon go please include Pokemon Go reference in the description of this. I might not know Pokemon Go, but I know my audience does. And they're actually going to fix, and I, I, I tested that one out. It was actually one I, I was playing with today. And I was laughing because I was like, I think it's right. Like I have to go send it to like someone that is fully in the Pokemon you know, environment, but it had Pikachu and it talked about the, because you know, it used that as one of the narratives. And I think that is part of the, I think the, the thing that excites people in this whole, this idea is that you can let it build off of like, you know, use cases, you can put things in and, you know, it's currently funded. It has, you know, a lot of things that are going on, you know, it's owned by a project that's called OpenAI, which OpenAI is currently the largest AI source, which 
happens to have Elon Musk and Microsoft has $1 billion into OpenAI and a rumor. Well, they're, and they're putting another $10 billion in. Rumor as of today is that they're going to put $10 billion in the chat GPT and integrate it into the entire Microsoft suite of products, which I think is genius because we knew Microsoft bought LinkedIn many years ago for one reason, for AI. We knew that they needed more data sets. They needed more information to be able to run through the AI engine. They've been running it through. Microsoft is going to be the player that we are all going to you know, take notice on, which is another thing that I probably would a year ago, probably, you would have heard me say it, Microsoft would be that one. But you know, I, that's just another reason I think part of this is in here. And the other thing is we're seeing, because it's an open AI, which means it's the source code is open, people are already building bots and things. If you go to product hunt, like my product hunt page now is nothing but all these tools that are using G chat GPT to then, you know, create these different outputs. But I think the, the key part here is it's working with it. It's not truly replacing it because I do believe you have to be a great storyteller, a great writer, and you have to practice. A lot of hours are going to go in to understanding what are the best ways for me to convey this message in a chat format to gets me the optimized output, just putting it in there and being like, Oh, Garbage in is garbage out. Well, garbage in, garbage out has been the existence of everything. But if you continue to work with the garbage that you put in and you help it learn things, you might be surprised that the output might no longer be garbage. Yeah, I was having a uh, philosophical conversation with a fellow writer and uh, he was really frustrated with this technology. And I said, well, did Adobe Illustrator kill the art industry? No. Did Photoshop kill the photography industry? No, it actually expanded it. It actually allowed more people to become artists, right? And if you think of these as tools, one could say, well, did Microsoft Word kill writers? Because they now had tools that would automatically check their spelling and, and you used to have people that were typists. No, these are just tools, right? But these tools are going to expand the world of creators. More artists are coming and this is the perfect transition, right? Because let's talk about the AI art side of this, right? These are baking people like you that are creative, but never felt like he had a bone in his body to be able to paint or to create something now become an artist. So I think this is going to open up, if you will, a whole new world of artists, people that never thought that they could be writers or never thought that they could be artists. And, and again, it's just the starting point, right? You, these tools, as I know, Brian, you and I have chatted, you have, sometimes do hundreds or thousands of iterations before you get what you finally want, right? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's all about how you use these tools, right? That gets you where you want to go faster because you would spend way longer actually taking an art class and trying to be able to paint. It might take you years instead of hours, right? So let's talk about how someone listening right now could use AI art. You already mentioned you've used it in your slide decks and stuff. Let's really like get creative for a web three application, all the possible use cases. Could you use AI art as your actual mintable NFT? Without question. And, you know, and not only can you use it now for your, you know, I, I'm creating a lot of one-of-one -one pieces, right? So singular, but there's some new tools, actually a new tool that I have a beta access that I got through yesterday and that is actually allowing me to take my multiple one-of-ones and then I input it into their AI art engine and it's creating me generative pieces. If you wanted to create a generative collection based on your own AI art, I, I tested it out. Explain what that means for people that don't understand that. Oh yeah, so generative in the sense of, we, we want this as the baseline figure. And then we have these layers or these properties that we might, we want to overlay, right? We want a hat or we want, you know, we want to customize so that each one is unique, right? Rarity in this space. 
but you want it to all be kind of form factor or similar kind of, you know, where we we're all kind of playing in the same universe. Ah, and you used to have to hire a real expensive artist to be able to do that before, right? And not only a real expensive artist, but you then had to use a generative code and a generative engine that would use some version of what they considered like a scrambler or a randomizer to then randomize these pieces. And now we're actually to say, not only randomize and customize them, but learn from the AI art that I've already created, right? So I'm putting my story in there. It takes that prompt and it's now building the generative pieces off of the prompt. So it's almost giving it another layer of personalization inside of those generative collections. And I mean, it's pretty amazing to think of, of that component because there are people that have a great use case they understand the utility. They even probably understand enough to know like how to create a contract or they have a developer there. But like finding the artist, not only that you want to work with today, I think we can all find an artist we want to work with. What if we want to continue to add and we want to create future, we want to create a landing page. We want to create a blog. We want to create graphics for our social with this art. A lot of that is like, so, I mean, I, I remember the first artist I ever interviewed to, to work on a project with me. He was like, this is a one and done deal. And he wanted, I mean, I'll tell you, he wanted, he's like, I, I want 70 ETH for the generative art creation and we'll have this many revisions. And he's like, after the, the, the output is approved, I'm not doing gen two. I'm not doing derivatives. I'm not doing social graphics, which, Hey, artist, you decide how you want to make your money and do your thing. But in this way I can simply use and say, okay, I want to create a social graphic for, you know, create me a Twitter graphic that is this size based on the art that is already in there that I've outputted through AI. And it's really unlocked you know, it's unlocked this ability to tell a story and convey a message, but it's also going to allow us to personalize NFTs even further down the road. I've already seen projects that are saying like, hey, if you're buying these three NFTs, we're going to actually allow you to, to put into the AI in our, you know, on the back end and give you a different PFP photo based on the ones that you own. So now you're even like, you know, it's, it's like getting your own car. And if you have three cars that are, are white right now, it's actually able to customize kind of the combination based on what you're own. And I think that is just another piece of this, like kind of output that I think is really exciting for NFT owners. What's the name of the tool that you said you were beta testing that allowed you to do all this generative art? Scenario.gg. Is it spelled uniquely or? Scenario. Is, yep. Scenario, like the word scenario.gg. Okay, very cool. So getting back to AI art. We at Social Media Examiner, we have a conference called Social Media Marketing World, and we have our graphic and we have bazillions of graphics we create, you know, back displays when you're standing on stage, animations, there's just all sorts of different things, you know, like signs for buses, getting on buses, you know, like t-shirts. I mean, there's just so many things that you can do once you have an art, a piece of art, a core piece of art, right? And the way that the way that I have to do this as a creative director is I have to work with actual artists and and sometimes multiple artists, right? And I have to make sure the design aesthetic is all working across all these different things and the color palettes and every, anybody who's got any background in creative anything knows that this is very difficult to do and you usually have to have style guides and all this kind of stuff. What I love about something like this, like let's take a project that's super creative like Azuki, right? Azuki is anime style art, right? Or manga or whatever they call it. I forget, but I would imagine like you could get super creative with that style. If, if you want something in that style, you know, cause I see them constantly coming out with killer different kinds of things. That's all got that Japanese style art. And I would imagine they probably have the money to go out and hire a whole bunch of artists. But if you didn't, these AI tools will allow you to make a lot of this stuff happen. Is that what, what I'm hearing you say? Without question. And, you know, it also allows us to also get to the form factor where if you know you want to create something, 
and you want to work with an artist, a lot of it is like, how do I get it out of my head to the artist to go do their job? And I think that's where artists shouldn't look at this as like a, hey, they're going to replace me in every case, right? I'm actually now as someone that is not, like I take a napkin and say, hey, I drew this, go create me something, right? Like that back and forth, nobody likes that. No artist has said, I love the back and forth with the, you know, with the non-creative before I can go generate. Well, now I'm able to put all that into an AI, kind of build it to where I think, hey, this is kind of conveying, can you go then work with me? And now the, the artist can take that output that you just generated and work from there. I think that's a, a beautiful use case that is still empowering artists. It's not replacing it, but it's shrinking some of that gap and some of that nuanced components that none of us, I think, were like, were favors of. I think I might have shared a video with you about this gal who was able to use 3D animation. Do you remember this video where oh, yes. I think where we're going with this is you'll be able to bring some of these characters to life and you'll be able to record your facial reactions and then map those onto the art. And all of a sudden you've got a full scale animated character that you could use all over the place, which is kind of exciting, right? I mean, it's it's nuts if you think about it. I think there's also the element of like the output, right? The size of output, right? You mentioned like your conference, right? The one year you're, you're able to put things on these poles and you're able to put hang things over here. Well, the next year they change right. the, the specs, right? And like, no one likes any of that, right? Being able to do that with AI, being like, take this piece and scale it to where it looks good on this size output. That's another thing that AI can like kind of work with us to kind of put in the output. And I also just want to throw in, you know, for someone that never considered themselves an artist, you know, I, I talk very openly about mental health and my ADHD and, and dyslexia. You know, I, I unfortunately, you know, in the past couple of weeks had lost two people in my life and, and you know, that, that's a lot and on anyone, right? And we're, we're dealing with so much. And I poured myself into AI art in a way that I never, you know, I never knew I was missing like a, a beautiful creative outlet, right? I, I, I'm hyper-focused. I will often go down, uh, you know, deep rabbit holes and all things, but I was able to actually kind of put in my emotion, work through this piece. And I actually created an output that kind of represented my feeling for the person that I lost. And like, I now have that. I, I just ordered it for mixed tiles where I'll be able to, you know, hang it up and in memory. And it's, it's not about me selling it. It's not about an NFT, but it is about me having like a, a creative outlet and an opportunity to, you know, really feel like my emotions are now being conveyed in art. And I mean, if that's not a beautiful component of AI art alone, right? Just allowing us another way to be, you know, creative and, and kind of work through things that we might be struggling with. I think it's a, there's some, there's some beautiful use cases and people are going to discover if we were never an artist, I didn't realize the outlet that so many artists have talked about what they love until I've now been able to explain it myself. Uh, when we were prepping for the show, you were telling me that mid journey and stable diffusion are some things we should talk about. So explain what each tool does and give some tips for those that maybe want to get started on the AI art side. So you'll hear the word people talk about prompt, right? So a prompt is what you're putting in to these different engines for the output and the prompts are word-based, but they can be formatted differently, right? So you can use certain words and structure. You can say, just like we were talking about chat GE, I would like you to create a beach scene for my upcoming conference that is focused towards this using Vincent van Gogh as the inspiration, right? You can, you can formulate that. And so the term that I heard that came out, which I thought really liked, is you want to become a great prompt poet, right? So there's prompt poets, right? So there's a certain sequence of like the order of the words you use, the, the you can put a certain size, like I want this to output 16 by nine, or I want this to output desktop. And so the different tools are kind of, they work with you differently. And there's, there's a lot of tools. Like, I mean, my entire TikTok feed is nothing but people telling me all these different AI tools. But I think it's important to know, like, kind of like, what is the input that they kind of specialize in to get you the output, right? And so the three I'll mention, because we mentioned the, the scenario one, right? So with mid-journey, mid-journey is pretty much starting with text and working 
to an image. So yes, you can use some image prompts, but a majority of us that are working in Midjourney, that's where I spend uh, most of my majority of my time. Midjourney, I can start with a, a very you know a paragraph and kind of start working with it. I can do different versions. Right now, that is all done within a, a channel in Discord. So Midjourney, you just connect your Discord account and it actually creates uh, your ability to, to create in there. They are allowing you to use it um, on their website in beta, but for the most part, you're interacting with it in Discord. Stable Diffusion, the one that we also mentioned, that is more for one that you're starting with an image that either you own or you like, and you say, based on this image, I would like you to output this. Now, I will tell you, it also outputs it and says, okay, work with it, where Midjourney gives me four examples and says, which one do you like best? And then I pick it, and then it gives me four more, and then I can really you know, kind of manipulate it this way, where Stable Diffusion, I give it the image, it gives me the output, I can then use a text prompt to change it. So I like that, but rather than the dark background, can you lighten the background on this? So it's there's they're very similar in the prompt component. Ah, so you're art directing it almost, right? Without question. You can almost say like add a surfboard here or make a big wave or put a kid digging a sandcastle. I mean, you can do that kind of stuff. Yep. And, and it will add it right into the same image. Yep. I spent four hours, two days ago, building a beach scene that I really liked in mid journey. I outputted it. I uploaded it in the Stable Diffusion and said, I would like you to place a DSLR camera on the beach facing me, giving a reflection of the ocean. And of course, another three hours like working with it, like, no, I don't like that. Why is there a reflection? I now have a beautiful scene where I created the beach and I, I was able to add a really beautiful DSLR photo. It's actually, it was a piece I minted yesterday for my AI 365 collection. And so you're able to kind of combine the two of these. And that's where that other tool scenario.gg kind of falls in as well, where I was able to take like 12 different pieces that I created, upload all 12 of them. Actually, they allow you to upload all the way up to 100 of them, actually, all the way up to 100 pieces. And then what you can say is, I want you to create a game avatar based on this 100 pieces of art that I created. His initial use case, I, I've messaged with the, the founder, M. I think he's from Finland. I've messaged him on DM. And he said, like, he immediately was like gaming avatars that are 2D, right? Focused on like not the metaverse play, but the 2D gaming uh, piece. But what I love about it is I imported the 12 pieces that I created for this other collection that I did. And I said, based on these 12 pieces and using the astronaut as the main character, output me eight avatars based on the art I created. And I, and the first one I was like, ooh, can you include neon colors, right? Because I hadn't created the prompt uh, at that level. But the second time I clicked it, it gave me eight. And then I could say, can you add a hat to the next eight? So now the astronaut has a hat in eight of them. And, and so you can really work with it. So like scenario GG, I'm using for more of that. Like I want to create a series of these that are built off of one, stable diffusion from image to creating an image that is either similar or using with it mid-journey going from text to outputting into a, you know, art. And that's kind of, you know, for me, that's where I'm kind of focusing. You know, there's Dolly too and a lot of other engines, but for me, that's kind of a, the, been the sweet spot of those three that, tools that I'm using. How high of a resolution can you output these images? Extremely high, right? So I can do 4K, 8K, and then I can output them. Right now, a majority of mine are coming out 4,000 by 4,000 if I'm doing it you know, in a straight output. Wow. What about the costs? How much do these tools cost, generally speaking? So mid-journey is 
you get a certain amount of hours for $30 a month. I'm blowing through that. So I, I, I mean, last month I spent $240 on mid journey, uh, just because of how many, you know, my own creative process, stable diffusion, you buy credits. So you're going to get credits and depending, like you can play around on the lower end. So if you want to use mid journey for free, they have a free component. It just, you, you don't get the fast turnaround. So rather for me, a majority of my turnaround is within 30 seconds of any prompt I put in because I'm using the fast one. If you're using the free one on mid journey, which I recommend everyone check out, it'll give you an output in a minute. Like I'm not, you don't have to wait a day or check your email. It's about a minute or so per output or per change. And then right now, scenario GG, I know it's in beta, but from what he posted, I believe he's going to open it up for free for the next you know many months for, for people to use that one. What was the price on the stable diffusion? Generally speaking, I mean, I know you're a super user, but how much to get started with it? I put $9.99 in there and I believe- $9? Yeah, $9.99 in there. And with my daughters and I were playing around, I think we ended up getting, I mean, we probably created 20 different outputs and we probably- manipulated, put different prompts in for over an hour and a half. So it's probably a hundred different, you know, prompts. And we got 20 different outputs that we really love for $10 is what my, my daughters and I did. Well, what I love about this is you could also use these tools as a foundation to give to a real designer if you wanted to, right? You could say, Hey, this is the theme, you know, and then you could let a real designer, if you really wanted to create their art, or you could just spend all the time I'm so fascinated about this stuff, Brian. I kind of, when I was talking to Paul Roacher on my other show, I was talking about how I think there's going to be a whole new ecosystem of prompt specialists, you know, that are going to get paid a fortune to do this because they know what they're doing and they know how to use all the different tools and stuff like that. Don't you think that's coming? Without question, because I have to give a caveat, right? I tried to make a horse with AI and I cannot make a horse with four legs to save my life. It took me forever because... Like you have to remember that like, you have to work with the AI and it initially puts multiple horses on multiple legs. And then you say, add legs and it puts a human leg below the, the, the horse's body. <laughs> and then you're like, only one, four legs. Well, it, it doesn't recognize leg versus background image, right? So like, let, let, I, I want to put that out there. I'm sure that's going to change pretty quick here, don't you think? It, it will, right? But I think that, but it changes based on our input, right? Like that's the part where I think when I say working with it, right, the more that we work with it to understand foreground and background and four legs on a horse versus no legs on a horse, even that camera one that I did yesterday, I kept saying camera on the sand, but it would not put it on the sand of the beach, right? It, like, it was the sand layer of what it could see. So I had to really work with the script, change my language, my words, and I, and I used the word immersed in the sand with sand on the lens, and that ended up kind of getting it to like, where it's set inset as if it looked like the camera was sitting there. So as much as it sounds like, man, that's so great. Like I am spending, you know, in some cases, you know, upwards of 10 hours on a piece. Uh, and then in some cases I'll spend maybe an hour where it's, I'm able to kind of uh, manipulate it. And then the last thing I'll throw in that you mentioned, you know, I've reached out to a couple artists that I really respect in this space. Sabit, Ali Sabit is one of my favorite artists in the NFT space. And I said, I would love to collaborate with you. And he was like, I've been waiting for you to ask. So I'm actually creating the background and then he's going to create, use his digital art skills, which is what he does. And he's going to create on the foreground, his piece. And then we're going to mint that together as an NFT, use the split royalties piece of it. And whoever buys it, we split it 50, 50. And so like, it's also giving me an opportunity to collaborate with artists that let's face it. My only ask always was come to my podcast. Yeah. Now I have the opportunity to create something. And, and the fact I get to see, I, I got a picture today from someone that is actually has my piece. Actually, it's the sunflower piece that's above my head. Someone has that piece hung up large in their living room right now. A year ago, I didn't think there was anything that I individually could create that would allow someone to put on their wall that will make, you know, impact them every day. 
and you know, in less than a you know seven months, and you know, and a lot of times I've definitely went down the rabbit hole. I'm able now to create kind of that output. There is, it's a it's a beautiful piece to work with, but I think the the key part of this, I know people can get scared of AI or overwhelmed with AI. You know, the the beauty of it, just like a lot of the tools that we use, right? When we started taking photos with our camera or with our iPhone. They all were horrible, right? They were blurry in the front. They had like that ray of light. I think everyone's photos for like, you know, social media examiner. Or some, the red some, eyes. Yeah, red eyes. Some of my photos from social media marketing world, when I first started speaking there, there's like this like ray of light through because we couldn't figure out how to make the iPhone not pick that up. Now the iPhone improved. We improved, right? We know like, you know, we have these different techniques and that's where AI is going to go with us as well. So I think part of this is like, we get to work with it. And the beauty of it is we don't have to wait for, you know, Apple to release an update. We get to add our own input and feedback and then it works, you know, directly back with us. Brian Fanzo, this has been a really fascinating journey that you've been on and that we've been on together today during this interview. Tell everyone where they can reach you, your preferred social platform, and also if they want to check out the stuff that you're doing, where do you want to send them? Sure. Yeah. Well, preferred social platform, you know, still to this day is Twitter. I've you know been a, a big fan and lover of Twitter uh, since the early days. Yeah. I social fans with a Z or a Z on Twitter. Uh, of course, our podcast NFT 365, we're on, on Twitter as well in all podcasting apps. And then, you know, the collections, you know, there's a link tree in my, in my Twitter bio, but you know, the other part of this that we didn't really mention figuring out how to like turn these into NFTs and then what marketplaces to use. That was a whole learning experience that even though I bought all these NFTs, bought an NFT every day for a year and I've created NFTs, right? We minted some for our collection that we we have for holders. I had never understood the, the nuances of different types of art drops and different, you know, do you want to do a drop or an open edition? Do you want to do a one of one release or do you want to do a, a one of one with a time-based auction? Do you want to, all these things are out there. And so I also wanted to kind of play with that for people to experience. So my Shades of ADHD collection is on the known origin marketplace. And then my daily collection, AI365, is on the foundation marketplace. So kind of giving people a little bit different taste of different marketplaces. One I'm using for one of one drops. One of them I'm using for one of 11 pieces. But I'm actually able to gate it and say, if you own my other pieces, you get it at a discount. And so known origin is using for that. So a lot of all those links are in the, the show notes, but I think that's also, it's a place that's going to, we're going to simplify it eventually, but I'll tell you, as soon as I got excited, I was like, oh, now I sell my AI art as NFTs. Then I went down probably a month and a half of a rabbit hole to figure out what are the different marketplaces and which one's the best one. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, Mike. This was a lot of fun. Brian Fanzo, thank you again for your time, everybody. Be sure to hit up Brian, let him know you heard him on the show. Talk to you next time, Brian. Cheers. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash W58. And by the way, if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Web3 Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may Web3 continue to change your world. The Web3 Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Web3 Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash Get updates.